Welcome to HashiCast, the self-proclaimed number one podcast about the world of DevOps practices, tools, and practitioners. Hey, who's this, uh, who's this voice in my HashiCast? I hear somebody new here. Just before we, we introduce our guests, like who's this new presenter? Katie, Katie, Katie Reyes? <laughs> Katie Reese. Katie Reese. And then what, what is it that you do, Katie Reese? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Come on. The wonderful Katie Reese, community manager and hug extraordinaire organizer at HashiCorp. Tell us about yourself. Thanks, Nick. Well, you pretty much did just give my HashiCorp identity, but I'll give it again. I am HashiCorp's community manager, and I do manage our HashiCorp user group program, and I am based in New York City. New York City. So um, my extensive knowledge of New York City extends from reading Bob Dylan's biography and the Gaslight Cafe and... uh, and stuff like that. What, what's um, whereabouts in New, in New York are you? As good of a reference as that is, I have some more reading materials I should probably send over. But I'm based in Chelsea, which is on the lower west side of Manhattan. Nice. Yeah, I've been here for about three years now. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking because we we have two wonderful guests today, and we're being terrifically rude by not not introducing them. I'm happy to introduce them, Nick. So I'll start off with Anne, who is one of our Los Angeles hug organizers, and then Bart, who is our Ottawa hug organizer. And I'll let them tell us a little bit about themselves before we kick off. Thank you, Katie. Hi, everyone. My name is Anne, and I'm one of the LA Hug organizers, like Katie has mentioned. And I'm also a marketing specialist at Nebula Works. So it's an honor to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on. Hi there. Uh, This is Bart, um, the Ottawa Hug organizer here. So I'm happy to be chatting with everybody here on this podcast. I'm a Kubernetes architect for Digital on Us. And so I help customers migrate to the cloud use Kubernetes, DevOps, uh, mature their organization there, certified in Terraform in the vault. So I'm happy to be here and chat about all things Hug. Nice. Great to see you, Bob. I'm not doing the interviewing this time. I'm kind of like looking at Katie and Katie's looking at me. Katie, before um, we, we kind of talk about the the Hugs and, and our wonderful Hug organizers, maybe some of the listeners are not aware of what the, the Hugs are and maybe even what the acronym Hug is. Can, can, can you give me a little brief background on HUGS? Yeah, Nick, happy to. The HUG program was founded in 2015, and we actually closed out that year with less than 400 HashiCorp users that were members of different HUG chapters. Fast forward a few years, and we've just hit 27,000, and we celebrated our 25,000 with HashiConf in Seattle, which was a really exciting milestone to hit. But the goal of the HUG program is to give our practitioners the in-person experience that they value. And HUGs beginning in 2015 have really become the cornerstone of our community. They're self-directed by local volunteer organizers who are passionate about HashiCorp tools. And they share their use cases, learn from one another, make new friends along the way. 
Interesting fact for, for some of the listeners, but HashiCorp, when we were looking for a, a name of the company way back when, we specifically chose the name HashiCorp because it started with an H so we could actually use the acronym HUG for our user group. But I suppose the most important folk here today are uh, Anne and Bart. Absolutely. So Anne and Bart, I want to ask you what value you have from organizing meetups. What have you learned along your way? And maybe tell us how long you've been organizing meetups and if there are any other meetups that you've organized. Yeah, um, I love to take um, a stab at this one. I love organizing meetups. I can't tell you enough how much value I get from it. Um, I think one the, the, two, the two things that comes to mind right away is one, um, I love meeting new people. Right. And when, when I'm saying new people, it's I'm talking about the community and also the speakers. I think, you know, it's amazing that I get to build these sustainable relationships with the regular attendees and that I get to know them on a personal level. That I wouldn't have otherwise from that first interaction. And then it's also it's also cool meeting new attendees, whether it's joining your user group for the first time. They don't know what to expect. What so they don't know what to expect. And, you know, perhaps their expectation of a user group is just another meetup where people come for a presentation and they leave. So I think it's really cool that my job as the organizer is to make them feel comfortable. And then I think it's also really awesome that we get to fly speakers out from San Francisco, Texas, and just miles away, coming to our user group for the first time and getting to see what it's all about. And I think the second thing that comes to mind is you learn how to consistently provide value to others. It's a valuable lesson that anybody can take away. And I think when you're always focused on providing value to others, you get so much more out of it. When you're focused on providing values to others, you get more out of it. You do. You know, what's amazing about meetups is you're always thinking of creative ways to make it more fun and engaging for these attendees. And you almost get out of your own head, right? And you start thinking about others and you start thinking about what is beneficial for them. How can I make these two hours productive for these attendees? And how can I make them want to come back again? And so when you're thinking about how to provide value to others, in a sense, it makes you, the organizer, more successful. I'm going to volunteer myself. I, um, I live in London, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy. You, you kind of, I'll fly out to LA. I'm always happy. I was actually at the London Hug last night, um, which was which is always an absolute pleasure to, um, to, to speak at. With the exception, the, the benefit of the LA hug is that every time I go to the London hug, it always seems to be torrential rain and bad trains. So I don't quite know what's going on there. Maybe I'm, I should stop, stop going. Nick, someone's got to do it. It sounds like a really big challenge. <laughs> How about you, Bob? Yeah, so I agree with Anne. So one of the greatest values is meeting people in the local community. So I moved from Toronto to Ottawa about three years ago. So it's great to meet people and build a, a network that's here in Ottawa, since my network is strong in Toronto and came out here and kind of knew nobody, nobody in the tech industry. And so I work remote and getting some FaceTime with people is refreshing. You get to chat, laugh and exchange war stories about what we do as engineers. Also practicing public speaking is a huge plus for me. It's something I'm trying to get more comfortable with and a hug event gives you that platform to speak passionately about some of the awesome technology that we deploy. You also were on our hallway track at HashiConf. Yeah, that was uh, 
really nerve-wracking. That was the most amount of people I've ever had uh, at an event. It was like 150 people. And yeah, it was quite crazy. My wife actually laughed because people snapped a couple pictures and she's like, you're gripping that podium like it was going to run away from you. A little shout out to um, my co-presenter today about the, the hallway track because I've never seen a hallway track before which has had more people than some of the conferences that I've been to. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and a uh, big thank you to all of the speakers and then also to Katie for doing a, a wonderful job there for um, organizing. Yeah, awesome job. Yeah, I, I thought it'd be an actual hallway, but it was a platform with monitors and everything. So it was a lot bigger than I thought. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you had a great turnout for your talk. I remember. did a great job. Yeah, it was my first time there. So it was beautiful, beautiful event, beautiful parties. I was about to say, I therefore have to pass the thank you on to the experiential team because they really went all out with the design and the dedicated stage and the seating arrangements. Everything was perfect. It could not have been better. I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, great conference. Yeah. HashiCorp is awesome. And it was your first time at HashiConf as well, right? Yeah, it was my first time. It was really fun. I love Seattle. So do you both plan to make a return? Yes. Yes, definitely. We have San Diego, Amsterdam, and then a Hashi Days in Sydney. Oh, Amsterdam. Yeah, everybody's got to come. I'd like to talk a little bit about the keys to success for a meetup. Uh, usually I'm engaging my LinkedIn community so that people understand that I'm serious about HashiCorp products and really believe in them and going to other meetups. Uh, Ottawa has a really small tech community. So if I'm not going to other meetups, why would people come to mine? So learn from other meetups what topics bring out attendees, which is key, and what the local community is passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing is finding speakers that are relevant. I kind of try to have all products showcased at a meetup and have different levels. So that it's relevant for someone that's just started out or someone that's deployed HashiCorp products in production for a couple of years. Uh, I also try not to spam my members with messages, but I do plan my meetups per quarter. So I set the date. And when I pick a date, want to make sure it's not during holidays or if there's other meetups. Yeah. You don't want to poach people from those different organizations. And then I remind members kind of a month, a week, and a day before the event. Uh, another big thing is sponsors. And you need to find a space that's kind of inviting and close to the members. So in our case, it's downtown. And sponsors really help out with the cost of running a meetup. And also they help with the marketing in their network as well. That's the other value that I get from organizing. How important would you say that that regular cadence is to building a loyal attendee base? It's really big because people remember and you're not kind of lost in the background noise of all the different meetups in the community. So you have relevant content since HashiCorp's constantly uh, uh, redeploying their product and having new releases. So during the startup of a meetup, I usually go through all the latest and greatest that's happening in HashiCorp. And that's kind of a good segue into some of the presenters that we have. About our HashiConf recap slides then for speakers. So we've used your slides. Always HashiCorp has really slick slides and it uh, doesn't do justice to my PowerPoint presentation skills. So I try to use them as much as possible. Having that regular cadence is super critical. For us, we try to host our meetups every month, right? And having it on a, on a date 
that is consistent. So we usually host our meetups at the end of every month, the last Thursday of every month, at the same time, at the same location, so that people know what to expect. And they can actually just add it to the calendar if they want to come again. And I think another thing I wanted to add is making sure that your meetups are engaging. I like to think of a meetup is it's not just having one presenter and a seat of uh, people listening, but I like to think of it of, as a circle of people talking, right? So I think by mixing it up, by having different types of presentations, by having different type of content, and then being more engaging, that's when you can invite people to come back to your meetup. It's very critical to find a good speaker. And in order to do that, we like to plan our these things ahead of time. So give, give yourself at least a month ahead of time to find the right speaker. And then also, you know, make sure that you guys are on the same page so that they know what to expect when they're coming to your meetup. Do either of you find that once you get into this regular hosting of meetups that people come forward from the community and want to speak and engage with the chapter as either a sponsor or a venue, even an organizer? Absolutely. Let me tell you, when I first started hosting the meetup, it's a little intimidating because you don't have any speakers, don't have people who wants to come to your meetup. And so when I just when I first started out, there was only five or six regular attendees that would show up and nobody would want to speak at the meetup because everybody was intimidated. I think once you have that regular cadence and you have people who you know are coming back to these meetups, they're getting to know each other on a personal level and they see that people from the group are willing to go up there and give a presentation. So that inspires them to want to come to your meetup and give a presentation as well. I think meetups are, are invaluable, not just the, the sort of HashiCorp meetups, but just in general for the community. I genuinely think that it, it's one of the, the sort of the wonderful things about technology and sharing information in this way. But um, I think they're also an incredibly amazing avenue to be able to get into practicing to talk to, to larger audiences if public speaking is something that you you wanted to to do, then being able to do that like in a meetup, which is sometimes a smaller stage, you know, just it's more informal. It's a really great way to to kind of get over the sort of apprehensions that you may have of sharing to a wider audience. I actually started, I think I did my first ever talk at a meetup. I'll tell you the story. I was kind of hesitating because it, it could be career damaging. I was really, really keen on uh, the Swift programming language, and, and I still am. Microservices were always my thing and kind of Swift, I had this, like I was really interested in because it was kind of bringing together front end and back end development. So I did a bit of work on um, Swift and I was out at WWDC. So the opportunity was to talk about Swift at a, a meetup during WWDC. So I go and I'm really nervous because it was kind of the first time that I was ever really going to be doing any, any public talk. And there was a couple of beers there and we were waiting for things to kick off. And there were brands that I wasn't familiar with. So I had a, a beer because I was like, okay, I'll drink this light beer to an IPA, which at the time in the UK was a light beer. And by the time I kind of had my second, I was a little wobbly. And I was like, this is kind of unusual. Maybe it's jet lag. No. No, this wasn't light IPA beer. This was 9% IPA beer. This was full-on Belgian strength IPA beer. 
And uh, so I had to do my first ever talk a little bit worse for wear. Not only worse for wear, but as I'm kind of at the meetup, who's in the crowd? Well, it had to be Chris Latimer who invented Swift, right? So not only do I have to give this talk semi-drunk, but I have to give it to the creator of the language that I'm praising. Nick, only you could survive something like that. Don't touch the beers until uh, until afterwards. It was a it was a mistake. Yeah, we have uh, sparkling water as well. Right. The, the the key thing was that even after a couple of mishaps, it gave me the opportunity to learn that this was something that I really enjoyed doing and something that I wanted to to continue to do. And and I'm really thankful for meetups for for having that opportunity. Someone on our education team shared with me around public speaking was that no one wants you to fail. Everyone in the crowd wants to be delivered good content and engage with you and wants to see you do well. And before I ever get up to talk in front of people, I always think of her saying that. And that's really changed my perspective. I will add a caveat to that in that unless you are doing a live demo, everybody wants to see a demo fail. We try to tell people that live demos are, you know, you're nervous up there and it's a small terminal screen and it's code running. It's sometimes better to do a pre-record something so that you can talk about what's happening on the screen instead of trying to remember what keystrokes to do there. Uh, Another tip that we have is we record our presentations. So then when you watch that over again, once you've had the downtime from it and you can kind of see what you've done and where you can improve on. And that really helps people as well for the next time. Yeah. So one thing that I like to do with our speakers is just asking them to come a little bit earlier before the meetup start time. So our meetup starts at 6 p.m. I would tell them to come at 5.30. And the reason why I do that is because I would like them to get to know the community members as they're walking in and just um, make that connection with them so that when they are presenting, they feel more comfortable delivering that content and people in the room are a little bit more lenient because they feel connected to the speaker. And I think a lot of times delivering a great speech, it's not just about the execution, but it's also about you know how you're able to connect with your audience. Are they resonating with you? Are you on the same page? It's not just spitting out words, right? It's, it's about really delivering a message. And so that is one takeaway that I always give to my speakers. And I'm building right now a thread in our community forum that is organizer best practices. And I definitely just added what you just said. Yeah, if I see people getting nervous as well, I'll jump on the mic and kind of let them have a breather from speaking and questions to the audience or ask if they understand what they're trying to present and just engage with with the attendees that are there so that they're also comfortable to ask questions and everybody just relaxes a bit. It's not a board meeting. We're all just there after 5 p.m. after a hard day's worth of work and we just want to talk about technology in, in an open setting. Right. You can, uh, you can save that for office hours, right? You know, a lot of times with a great presentation, some speakers tend to go a little too fast because they just want to go through each slide and go through the content. But I think it's important to take a second, you know, look at your audience, see where they're at. And you can tell a lot of times by their facial expressions if they're following along with you. And if they're not, it's okay. Just take a second, ask people if they have a question, and then reconnect Right. Let the product stand for itself. 
when a lot of people hear the term meetup, or at least this was my experience before I got really involved in this space, I would always just think of the traditional lecture style meetups. And I was just curious to hear from both of you if you've seen any what you would consider out-of-the-box meetups that are a little more untraditional, and if you could share what you've seen, if you've seen anything. Yeah, I haven't seen anything in the Ottawa area, but the thing that differentiates our hug event is that there's no sales presentations. I've been to so many meetups, and it's just companies coming in and talking for an hour about what they're selling, and it's just I lose focus and just leave. So we don't do that at our hug events, which is key. You know, when we have people reaching out to us wanting to speak at our events and perhaps they're trying to sell a product, what I convey to them is, you know, come to our meetup and try to tackle, you know, a, a problem that's going on within the IT industry. And if your presentation is good enough, people will want to ask more about your product after the presentation and they, they want to connect with you after the presentation is over. So it's kind of an indirect way of marketing. Totally agreed. We haven't done this yet at our meetup, but there is a meetup called Whiteboard Warriors, and it's located in Irvine. And what's really cool about that meetup is they have whiteboards set up, you know, five or six whiteboards, and then they have certain problems that they want to tackle. And then they split people into groups, and then they give each group a certain amount of time to tackle that problem using the whiteboard. And I think that's really interesting because it promotes collaboration versus just people coming in, like you said, Katie, and listening to a presentation. I think when people are able to collaborate with each other and bring their own opinions and perspectives to the table, they get so much more out of that meetup versus just listening. What about you, Bart? Yep, I agree. That's the best uh, marketing is word of mouth. It's like if you engage your community and you can collaborate on ideas you kind of forget that you're this lonely engineer behind a terminal and that you're only figuring out these problems by yourself that there's a other people doing the same thing and working with them and talking about war stories and showcasing what you're doing it's a lot easier at a meetup when i tell my friends like deploy vault I do dynamic secrets and they rotate every hour. Their eyes glaze over. But when you talk about that at a meetup, people's eyes light up and they want to ask you questions about the things you're working on. We have not that many tech companies in Ottawa where it's just Spotify and we have SurveyMonkey. And so SurveyMonkey uses some of the HashiCorp products and it's a good segue to some of the smaller businesses or government agencies that a big organization can use these products if they're not using them already. So it's almost street cred for us. Your point, Bart, to have the industry move forward brings along a question of how can you foster diversity in your user groups? I'm just wondering if either of you have had any tactics to foster just a safe and environment of trust at your meetups. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't think the meetups are just uh, tailored towards a specific group of people. I think that it's open to anybody who's interested in learning and networking, Um, especially if you're just graduating college and you're looking for a job. Um, and you're not really sure, you know, what direction to head into. I think attending a meetup, getting to know these fellow folks who are working in the industry that you're interested in and learning about um, what's going on within that industry and build connections from there. And if everything goes according to plan, you can get an interview with a particular job. And 
interesting enough, we actually had an attendee who came to one of our meetups and they uh, got an interview with our CEO. So you just never know. We've been pretty lucky with our hug group where we have a large group of diversity in our hug events. And, and I think we're, that's amazing. And we're kind of lucky in that spot. And of course, we can always do better. When I introduce myself to all members, it kind of helps break the ice. And I believe uh, general environment starts with the organizer and what type of feel and space and network they kind of create there. Yeah, totally agreed. The best way to foster that diversity is to lead by example. Your job is to be a connector. That's your job, really. You know, you you have to make the speaker feel really comfortable and you have to make the members feel comfortable. And I think it's your job to help each other, to help the members get connected and initiate conversations. Exactly. I organized the New York City hug chapter and something that I derive a lot of value from in organizing that is just the conversations that I have before and after the meetup. And I do make the rounds and try to speak to everyone that came. That to me is so valuable, that time spent speaking with everyone. Absolutely. I think inclusion is super critical to promote diversity. And one of the ways that we do that is we promote group discussions. When people get into a group discussion and they're able to bring their perspectives to the table, everyone feels like their voice is being heard and they can contribute to that conversation. And I think that make everyone feel included, diversity just happens naturally. As the organizer, it's important for you to introduce yourself to every member, but also have the members get to know each other. I think in the tech world, sometimes, you know, we, we do have people who are a little bit on the shyer side, and that's okay. You have to encourage uh, members to get to know each other, get feel more connected so that everyone is included in conversations. One of my colleagues on the experiential team, Amanda Perino, shared a concept with me that I always try to keep in mind, the Pac-Man rule. And a lot of times when you're talking, we find ourselves in a closed off circle that might make someone feel uncomfortable to break into the circle and mess up the vibe. Always position yourself standing in a Pac-Man formation so that there's always an open space for someone to enter the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think of that often and try to be aware of my body language and how welcoming I can be to someone who might feel nervous to interrupt conversation and they know that we want to hear from them. Did Katie mention that we're professionals? Yeah. We, we've shared a lot of love for meetups. I mean, as I said, I'm a huge fan. I know you all are too. And I think this is sort of a gen of general interest to anybody who runs a meetup. But how do you encourage fresh faces? How do you share the love and, and get folks to, to come back? And But, but also new folks to come and, and experience the content and things. So if I'm hearing correctly, Nick, you're asking, how do we encourage new faces to show up at our meetups, right? Right. So I'm in marketing, right? So I kind of see it a little differently. I think if it's good enough, it, people will tell other people about your meetup. People will tell their colleagues and friends that there is this meetup that is really, really valuable. And I would like you to come out with me to the next meetup. And another thing that I do is similar to what Bart mentioned earlier. I do use LinkedIn as a social platform to um, connect with our members and consistently engage them after the meetup is over. I think if you're consistent enough and the meetups are engaging, people will hear about it. It's such a good feeling too when like a meetup goes well and everybody's happy and people like you have to push people out the door because the venue needs to close and that's always a good feeling. 
Absolutely. I think you just touched up on a key point here, Bart. It's the fact that, you know, if that meet if that user group is doing a great job, then you would feel like you're part of a community. And what does it mean to be a part of a community? It means that you're part of a group of people who support you. They're honest with you. They can be open with you and they understand your struggles and you speak the same language as them. Sometimes maybe the public does not understand. And I think that's what keeps people coming back. Yeah, that's why I like meetups and conferences. It's not just for the speakers and presentations. It's the networking and building relationships and having chats with people over beer. It's always the most honesty comes out about everything that's going on in a person's technical career when they're having some beer talk. Soft drinks are always available because after my first experience, I'm 100% teetotal to meet up someday. Once been, twice shy. We just go afterwards. We tell them, hey, if you want to go to this pub, it's not on the meetup. It's on you. Pay for your drinks. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's actually one of the really valuable parts of community talking about things and, and sharing solutions and, and pitfalls as well. Because quite often... And I will speak from sort of HashiCorp's perspective that we, you know, we, we will talk about features and we'll show you content around like what this is and how you can use it. But sometimes the, those amazingly ingenious sort of solutions that people are using the tools for and how they've kind of overcome problems of the tools, maybe from a, an organizational or a team-based perspective, but that's an amazing kind of piece of information that you can pick up from only really hearing from others' experiences. Feels like it's our community as well. It's tech and HashiCorp products as well. It's not uh, like a huge breadth like cloud AWS where there's so many different pieces and pockets. While with uh, HashiCorp, you have Terraform, Vault, Console, and we're all trying to save, uh, solve the same problems. And when you can hear somebody that has had some pitfalls, you can learn from their mistakes and be successful in your organization. You get to hear out-of-the-box thinking as well. Sometimes people come up with ideas that they might not want to present to their organization just yet, and a hug group can give you that platform as well to talk about it before you bring it in-house. Hey, Katie. I was, uh, I was trolling through, through Slack, and I believe that you've maybe got some secret plans for the, the hugs. Is there something uh, exciting that you're, you're trying to get off the ground and, and might be happening? Nick, you trolling? That's unheard of. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you're probably referring to our upcoming certification meetups. Am I right about that? Right. Yeah. So I'm working with my colleague on the education team, Lisa Spooner, to implement certification meetups. So a few details uh, being stamped out, but ideally it's going to look like an open study group. Anyone's welcome to come following day or later on in that week host an exam. And it's going to be a heavily discounted certification exam right now, just starting off with Terraform and Vault, as that's what the program offers for now, but it'll grow. And it's going to be a proctored exam. All the rules apply, the same ones that if you take it at home on your computer, very serious exam. But I do believe in using the meetup program as a vessel to give that exam and make people feel more comfortable in taking it and give them that camaraderie that I think people prefer to have. And then in addition, the study group, I think will be really valuable. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I really like the idea that 
getting people together and actually sharing the information to enable them to to get the certification. I think it's great. I'm uh, I'm pioneering my own uh, special hug, which is going to be the day before the certification exam in London. And for the low, low price of 25 British pounds or 10, um, 10 US dollars, you'll be able to come along and get all of the answers, which I'm going to steal from the interwebs. So guaranteed passes for low, 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 low price. You think the other story about Meetup was going to wreck your career? <laughs> Ooh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, could you mention like what different types of levels these certifications might be? Because I know you guys have intermediate, advanced, and expert. Right now, we offer Terraform and Vault associate certification exams. And coming down the pipeline is going to be the Nomad and Console associate. And then all tools will be available further on in the professional and then an expert as well. So the three levels will be associate, professional, and expert. Plus, you get a sticker and a pin when you get certified. Yes, everyone wants the sticker, the coveted sticker. I think there's going to be varied tiers um, because some of the enterprise features are, are only relevant to the enterprise product. So, um, but I, I think we're, we're we're just kind of kind of figuring figuring those those things out. Something I really value about the certification exams and the way that HashiCorp specifically is able to offer them is that already they're relatively affordable. They're less than $100 to take from your computer at home. And then we're going to be able to offer it at an even more discounted price. I love that idea. I'm going to be piloting that with my home chapter, the New York City Hug, hopefully in December. So I'm very, very excited. And I think what's what's really cool about Meetup is, you know, yes, you can watch um, the presentation on YouTube and you can gain knowledge from reading books. But I think when you're attending a Meetup, you're you're a part of an ongoing conversation, right? And you don't know where that conversation is going to take you, but that's where you derive the most value out of it. And and would you say kind of meetups are a, a good place to, to kind of start if you're interested in learning a new technology? So maybe I don't I don't maybe you're you're actually even just trying to break into the industry. You may have done something in college, but maybe not. Is a meetup a good place to kind of come and and learn and maybe pick up some basics and get a get a feel for? for tech and, and can it actually help you break into the industry as well, I suppose, as a follow-up? I agree. It's like, I haven't been in school for 12, 13 years, but I remember when I graduated that, A, they're not using the latest tech in school. So it's a little bit different what you're learning in school to what's actually going on in the industry. And the industry moves so fast that when you go to these meetups, you actually see what people are doing. It's not just hype and marketing of what products are being used. Uh, one of the things about our meetups that's always funny is that we have multiple consultant agencies that come to our meetups and everyone asks, like, don't you guys feel threatened that you have all these competitors and you might be like stealing business from each other? And I said, well, A, this is a meetup, so kind of our business association goes out the window and we're just people in tech and people in tech that want to create solid products and have have the industry move forward in the right direction. It's a selfless type of thing. 
For sure. So we're um we're, we're pretty much at time, and I could literally spend all day talking to you all, and we can kind of do that once we hit that stop button. But um, two things I've just noticed. So the first thing, Anne, is that I see in the picture behind you, which our listeners can't see because it's it's listeners, but uh, you have a picture of Amsterdam behind you. So you you absolutely must come to Amsterdam HashiConf uh, next summer. And I see that uh, somebody is a football fan and I don't see an Ajax scarf. You absolutely must come to HashiConf Amsterdam too. Definitely. So one of the things about the soccer scarves or football scarves behind me is every single time I go to a city and there's a stadium, I go and watch a game and I collect scarves instead of magnets and mugs. Behind me is a photo of the Newark airport, which, Nick, does that make you cringe that it's an airport in my living room? I could not have a picture of an airport in, in, a, in my living room. It would literally be like a living nightmare for me. It's my first time seeing that. I didn't even realize that was an airport. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool because it, to me it looks like a DJ set, but it is really an airport. And it was actually here when we moved into the apartment and we liked it. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to leave it. Did the parachute, is that part of the airport thing? I guess you could say it's a theme, but it's not intentional. I just like the aesthetic of the parachute on the ceiling. So we we always end Hashi cast on our um, slightly unconventional, off-topic, but traditional question. And um, Katie... As our newest presenter, and since you have the wonderful job that you've you've done, and I'm very very thankful for um, for having you as a co-presenter, or for being your co-presenter in this case, do you have a traditional question for our guests? My traditional unconventional question would be: What is the weirdest thing that everyone has eaten? And I might be asking this question because I'm excited to share the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. So, (laughs) but dibs on not going first. I don't eat many weird things. Like I'm the stereotypical Polish guy that eats meat, potatoes, and cabbage. Uh, But I love to cook and like I make this amazing spaghetti sauce. But when I eat spaghetti, I eat it with a side plate of pickles. And everyone says it's super weird. But I think it's so good, and I even got my wife hooked on that combo. I guess it might be that, a sweet, salty type of thing. Salty and sweet is the best combo. I'll have to give it a go. So I guess for me, it's not really weird because I grew up with it. But I know that other people consider it a little weird. But if you've ever been to dim sum, they serve chicken feet in a little dish. Have you guys ever tried that? Funny that you asked because yes. Are there nails on the chicken feet? There are nails, yes. <laughs> as long as they're clean, right? They, they, yeah, they're clean and they're painted as well. <laughs> Freshly pedicured chicken feet are the way to go. I've been to dim sum a couple times with my coworkers, and every time I try the chicken feet, they get they cringe and it's it's not formal to them at all. But yeah, I'm very used to it by now. <laughs> How about you, Katie? How do I even start off telling this story? There's not really a good way, so I'll just say it. I ordered freeze-dried bugs off of Amazon. (laughs) It was more to prove a point to my family that I, I tried crickets on a stick, 
and I enjoyed it. I thought they were really good and they were barbecued and my family was, that's disgusting. Like I can't imagine eating that. And so I just ordered these frozen dried bugs off of Amazon to my family's house before I was going to be flying home. And when I got there, they were there and I tried to get everyone to try them. And I had to obviously try them first before asking everyone to try them. They had no taste. So this is going to be the new staple for the hugs instead of the kind of traditional pizza and drinks. We're going to have freeze dried bugs. Yeah, they're going to be a big source of protein in our future. We'll see. That's a whole nother hashy cast to talk about. Well, I want to um, say thank you to everybody. Um, it's been an absolute, an absolute pleasure to to chat with you. And, and I genuinely wish we could uh, continue for another hour because um, it's, it's been wonderfully insightful. A round of applause. Awesome. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Are you planning to edit this uh, recording? <laughs> we'll do a first pass edit and then um, somebody will, will say you can't say that. You have been listening to HashiCast with your hosts, Nick and Katie. Today's guests have been two of our hub organizers, Anne and Bart. Be sure to tune in next time.